Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Beautiful. Um, I, uh, I'm really excited for the, the conversation today. I've been thinking about this passage of scripture because I knew it was coming up because we're going through the book of John together. And uh, I kind of got this download from God last night as I was just thinking about uh, the evil and the wickedness and the terror and the horror that we're living in right now, the devastation. And it can only come from pure evil, right? Um, And then it just got me thinking about the month that we're in. And you might say, I might lose you right now. But I was raised to believe And I still believe this at the core. You might call me a mystic. You might call me someone that's over-spiritual. But I just believe everything is spiritual. In fact, I believe that um, we have a soul. That we have um, something within us that is beyond just our here and now. That our body will decay. But our soul will live on. Our spirit will live on. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I believe everything is spiritual that we do. Sometimes I think we could be over-spiritual, but even that is spiritual. You see, I, I, uh, I have this honest question that I want you to really think about this morning. And the question is, do you enjoy life or do you enjoy death? Honest question. Which one do you enjoy more of? Do you enjoy the thought of death or the thought of life? Do you enjoy the thought of if I could say it this way, eternal damnation, completely sep- hell is just complete separation from God, which I would argue many are actually living hell here on earth. There's also a place, I would argue, that's hell. The Bible shows that we believe in heaven and hell. But death is not something that we love or enjoy. In fact, it terrifies some of us. It, it, it uh, makes us uncomfortable. It makes us anxious. It, we don't want death in our life. And the more you don't know of God, the more I would say you're just existing. The more you have Jesus, the more you have life and life to the full. What about darkness? Who here likes darkness? I know some people, a little odd, enjoy dark things more than light things. I, I remember when I was in junior high, in high school, there were all of these wild, weird movies. They still are today. I don't even touch them anymore. I don't even watch them. I don't even, I don't even want them on my screen. We fast forward through those things. But yet I've, I've come to realize that in the human condition, there are some people that enjoy dark things. There are some people that enjoy the thrill and the terror and the, the horror of getting Scared. Ah! And they like it for some very odd reason. But I would also say maybe it could be that those people don't realize that it's actually real. You see, because all things are spiritual. And the reason I say this is because in my walk with Jesus, I have had moments where I've experienced very supernatural things where I've experienced darkness at its core, where I've experienced um, demons. 
I have actually stood in front of someone being delivered from demonization. So when you experience that, you start realizing, oh, this stuff is real. So the movies that are played, the video games that we play, the Halloween horror nights, I don't know if I'm stepping on anyone's toes, but there's something in us that draws us to darkness. But also there's something in us that draws us to light. So I want to talk to you about what it means to have spiritual life. You see, um, I'll ask another question. Who enjoys when a baby's born? Oh, I love when babies are born. It's kind of scary to be in the room when you're in the room. It's an experience. But we all, when we see a baby, a little, a little newborn baby, and we hold them, there's something within us that says, man, this is life. For me, when I, when I lean back in Kauai and I put my feet in the sand, it doesn't feel like California sand. When I see the ocean and the vastness and the light blue, when I can see the clearness and the cosmic nature, when I look up at the sky and the stars and I know that there is a God bigger than that and I am just but a tiny little ant to God, I am filled with the wonder of life. But no one really likes when a man is killed. No one likes that. If you do, well, then that's a whole other conversation. But no one enjoys when you start to see images on social media of what's taking place in Israel with Hamas and the cutting off of children's heads. Something in you is... uh, is jolted, isn't it? There is an injustice, there's a righteous anger that arises. This is not right. And so that's why I hate darkness. Let it be known. I don't entertain it. I don't glorify it. I don't think it's fun. I don't think it's cute. I won't let my daughter dress as a witch. I won't let my daughter dress as a little demon. Do a little inventory, my friend. When you go and if you do Trick-or-treating, there's, I, I, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. We'll have something here called the Fall Festival. And I might lose maybe like 50% of the room, but I just have to go here because I just feel like God downloaded something in me last night that I want to make known. And I, wanna, I want to let you know as a pastor what this means. I want you to take inventory if you go and, you know, get candy on Halloween. Check to see, are there little children that dress as Satan? Are there little girls that dress as witches? Or as something terrifying? You see, all things are spiritual. If we are naive, or if I could say ignorant, ignorance is just not knowing, to the fact that darkness is real, and we are entertaining darkness, what do you think that does when it opens up spiritual doors to your life? The Bible says in Ephesians, do not allow the devil to have a foothold in your life. And the reason I say this is because I remember I was 12 years old and there was a woman named Martha and she was like a prophet. And she was a prophet. And she called me up one day in my mom's, you know, prayer meetings. And she said, she just read my book like no one's, I was like, what? She said, hey, I, I know you like to go watch those scary movies, but do you know that that it's real? 
And all I'm going to say, Sam, is be very careful because you're entertaining that and it, it invites those things into your home. And I was just like, how does she know? You know, because I would go to the movies and I would tell my mom we're going to watch a certain movie, but we would watch that one scary movie. And then you're laying in bed and you're like terrified and you'd like <laughs> keep the light on. <laughs> you see, if you were to ask Lenya, she's starting to do this right now and I love it. You might be like, oh, you're that ultra super Christian guy, Sam. Wow, you're like the, the perfect legalist. I don't care, man, because this stuff is real. If you've seen a demon come out of somebody, you will know. I am not playing with darkness anymore. We'll drive down the street at night, you know, and there's decorations. And Lenya will say, mommy no like Halloween? Mommy don't like Halloween. We go, no, baby, we do not like Halloween because it's dark. And uh, does daddy like Halloween? No, we do not like Halloween because it's evil. Because it glorifies evil. It glorifies terror. It glorifies horror. And so if you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus, I just want you to take this with a grain of salt. That there is an entertainment that the devil loves. He loves when you entertain evil. He loves when you entertain darkness. And so all I would say is take heed. Take warning. Because I know during October, and I'm not going to do the whole sermon series. I've done it before in the past. But just look at the context and the history of Halloween. Just do your own due diligence on it. It is absolutely terrifying. What they do, witches perform on Halloween night. Just look it up for yourself. You have access to Google just like I do. You see, everything is spiritual, and Jesus has something to say about that. And um, I just want to encourage you as well that there is something that Jesus brings us that is something that the devil can never take from us, and it's life. It's life and life to the full. And I'm tempted to kind of jump ship and go to John 10 where Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. But Jesus does that. He drops that right here in John chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, I want you to open up the scriptures to John chapter 6. But before we do that, I'm just going to read this to you. I don't know if we'll have this up on the screen, but I want to I read this to you in James chapter 2. It says this, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith. Well, I have deeds. Well, then show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe, watch this, that there is one God. Even the demons believe that. Did you know this was in the Bible? That demons know probably more about God than you do. Yet they believe, but they don't take action in it. So my question to you is, do you believe in God? Of course I believe in God, pastor, of course. Then I would say, well, then where are your deeds? I'm going to change this, the, 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 the wording around a little bit, okay? So if you do your own biblical due diligence in the context and, and look up logos and type in interlinear Bible, you all can do it. Interlinear Bible on James chapter 2 and look up the words 
and it would be synonymous to this. Instead of faith, what if it said belief or trust? Belief by itself is not accompanied by action. It's dead. Trust by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have belief. You believe. And I have obedience. Because another way of saying deeds is action. If you're a disciple to Jesus, another way of saying you have action is you are actually obedient to the king. You obey him. You listen. And then you obey. You don't just listen and say, I believe you, God. No, you have to move with action and obey what God is telling you to do. It says, show me your trust or show me your belief without obedience and I will show you my belief by my obedience. If you really want to know if you're a disciple of Jesus in the day and age we're living in, you need to know if you're in or you're out. Because my Bible says in the book of Revelation that God, Jesus says, if you're hot or cold, if you're like lukewarm, I don't want that. I will spit you out of my mouth. No one likes the taste of lukewarm water. You're either hot or you're cold. You're either in or you're out. You're either about darkness or you're about light. You're either about life or you're about death. You either entertain evil or you entertain life. You choose. But I'll spit you out of my mouth if you are like back and forth. Isn't that terrifying? Well, good morning to you, church. (laughs) In our passage, in the book of John, it says this, when they found him, Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. This is Jesus showing his supremacy with the Father. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Here it is. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's Jesus. The Father sent his Son, Jesus. Believe in him. So they asked him, well, then what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, well, I tell you this. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life, life to the world. Sir, Always give us this bread. It's like, I don't know if you see it. It's, it's, John is a master writer. If you go back to John chapter 4, it's very synonymous to the woman at the well. Do you remember her? She was thirsty. Jesus says, I'll give you life. I'll give you water that will never, you know, you'll, you'll never get thirsty again when you drink from my cup. Then, here it is. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. This is an I am statement of Jesus. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. 
All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those who he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. We all want eternal life, right? I don't know about you, but I want to just be like, rest assured that when I die, I'm going to have eternal life. Now, eternal life is synonymous. Again, that word life is zoe. That's why I named our daughter, me and Kelly named our daughter Zoe, because it means life, not just life, eternal life. Life that can only come from God. I'm so excited, I'm spitting. And then it says, for my father's will is that everyone looks at the son and believes in him. And then verse 41, at this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread of life that comes down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? They were so upset that he was claiming his place as Jesus, as God in connection to the Father. No one can get to the Father except through me, Jesus says. He's not claiming prophet. He's claiming Messiah. You see, Jesus yet again is showing us that he is life. Life, in the scriptures, bread sustains life. That's what it means in in the New Testament. Bread was an actual realization of life. That's what bread meant to them. It is that which Without life cannot go on. So life is synonymous to bread. Bread brings life. In the Old Testament, they were so hungry, God brought manna down from the, earth, the sky, and he dropped it on the Israelites so that they would have life. He was trying to prepare them and let them know, I will give you life forever, life that is full, life that is eternal. But what is life, the question is. Clearly, by life, It's meant something far more than mere physical existence. You see, this is the issue that I have with um, my fellow brothers and sisters as disciples of Jesus. But we all have our down days, don't we? But we ought to be the type of people that when we walk in the room, we walk in ushering in life. Why? Because I have life within me. I have God. And my prayer for my life, I, I, don't, I don't know about yours. I can't control yours. I've tried to do that. It doesn't work very well. But I know for me that at the end of the day, my prayer is that when someone would think of Sam or when someone would think of the Flores family or of my daughters or of my wife or my family or the little the little lowercase k kingdom that he has given me, that they would recognize that it would be synonymous with life that can only come from God. That Sam didn't just exist, but he lived life to the full that was filled with wonder and that was filled with risk and that I believe God says to every person in the room, you can have life. Stop just existing. Take hold of the kingdom of heaven. Let me walk with you. Let me guide you. Let me be with you. Let me give you breath. Let me help your fill. Stop looking to everyone else to fill you up. 
If you're thirsty, come to me. I will give you water. If you're hungry, come to me. I will give you bread. And yet, many of us say, no, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I will worship on a Sunday. But if, can I just be honest? Our deeds are dead. There is no life produced out of our life because we can say with one word, I believe. But what about our obedience to Jesus? Are you actually obeying him? Are you actually going to him in your marriage? When issues come and problems arise in your singleness, in your brokenness, do you look to him as the sustainer of life or are you looking for everything else? that could just quench your thirst for but a moment, that could give you your fill but for a moment. And the problem is, then there's two kingdoms at work here, isn't it? Which we talk about in our discipleship. So side note, you should join Coin Discipleship because we go into this, we talk about this, that there is a kingdom at war with the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of this world. I know many, some of you might be like, I'm not going back to that church. That pastor doesn't believe in Halloween. And I'm not saying, but, but I, can I just, I'm just going to go back to it just for a moment. <laughs> do you want to operate in life or do you want to operate in death? The choice is yours, my friend. Do you want to raise your little son or daughter terrified, afraid? We teach Lenya, she's like, yeah, mommy, daddy don't like spiders. And I look to Kelly, I'm like, what are you, why is she saying that? I said, no, baby girl, we like spiders. We like spiders. We're not afraid of spiders, Lenya. But we don't like darkness. We don't like evil. And so I want her to know from a very young age, we do not indulge in darkness. We will not entertain it. And so you have to go and work out your own salvation with Jesus and ask yourself, I used to go to, um, me and Kelly would go to like not, what is it called? Like not scary farm. Just, we did, we went just once. I think I might have went twice. I don't want to lie. Yeah. With you and I went probably once. That was my BC days before Christ. But, <laughs> but I remember, come on, Joe. I remember going. And I had two voices in my head. It was my mom's voice, <laughs> and then it was my voice. Oh, this is so fun. Kelly's holding my hand like a lot tighter, and she's gripping me, and she's scared. And then it was my mom's voice saying, this is evil, this is evil, this is evil. Do not entertain evil. Do not entertain wickedness. Because I remember when I got home, I was a little extra careful when I'd shut the door and I'd lay down. Just logically, if we could go there for a moment, logically, do you think the devil loves that? Ah, I'm scaring him. I got him. And that opens up a thought, a belief that the devil is bigger than God, that fear is greater than love. And so we lay in bed and we're, 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 we're replaying all the terrifying things that we saw and do you think God wants your mind consumed with that? With our little children, I mean, we watch everything. We're like those Christian parents. We have to make sure whatever's going to be on the TV, because I know my little daughter, she catches every word. 
And we messed up one time, and she was starting to say something. I'm like, where did she hear that, Kelly? Like, what did it happen? We got to, like, go back. Was it, like, Grandma Patty's house? Was it Grandma Teresa's house? Was it Grandma Liz's house? Like, where did she hear this word? Was it, at, was it in Coins Bible Kids? Like, like we need to figure this out because I don't want her saying these words. But I realize, like, you're like, you know, there's, there's parents that have older. You're like, Sam, it's going to happen. Of course it will happen. But I want to protect my little daughter's ears right now. I want her to know that we do not entertain darkness. Because when you allow darkness into your life, if you're not careful, you say, I believe in God, but you have no obedience. The demons look at you and laugh. (laughs) They believe, but they're not really doing anything. I got them. I'll get this one area in their life. And we say it, and I say it too, so I'm just saying this on the record. We say, oh, that's addiction, that's addiction, that's addiction. Well, I have a spiritual language for that. That's called bondage. That's called chained up by the devil. So if you're struggling with pornography, yeah, it's an addiction, but it's deeper than that, my friend. It's called a bondage. If you can't shake it off your life and your thoughts can keep bombarding you, if you keep doing the same things you know you're not supposed to do, stop just calling it a vice or addiction. That is a bondage from hell. And so my Bible says, Jesus says, I will give you your fill. I will will quench your thirst. Come to me and I will give you life. No more bondage, no more chains. I could hear the chains as people walked in the room. I could hear it in my my spiritual ear, and, and I break, and I'm like, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to get someone to move from point A to point B. I cannot control them. I can't even control myself. But I've come to realize if you just say you believe, and there's no deed, and there's no obedience, then do you really believe? We're just playing church at this point. We should just turn it down and say we're done. We had a great time. People are dying. The demons are laughing at you when you say you believe and there's no obedience. You guys good? Man, I'm like, I need like a water or something. You see, real life is the new relationship with God. That relationship of trust and obedience and of love of God, that relationship, thank you, Kelly, you're amazing. That relationship is made possible only by Jesus Christ. Apart from him, no one can enter into it. Many have searched for this meaning and cannot find it. I was just talking to a friend that I'm doing discipleship with, and he told me, Sam, I tried to open every door that would try to give me life. I was trying to figure out the key, man. I leaned into Hinduism, I leaned into Mormonism, I leaned into Islam, I leaned into, you know, the psychedelic, the tarot card reading, the, the astro read. Like, I leaned into all of those things. I tried to do projections, and I could not find the solution until I met Jesus. He answered the, 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 the roar, the fear of my soul, and he has given me life. And sometimes I'm grateful that I didn't experience that type of darkness, but as a pastor, I can feel the weight of it when someone is explaining it to me. And then I sit back and I'm like, man, that's crazy. Thank God they found Jesus. And 
that guy could probably preach better to you on what darkness really is, right? But let's just be honest. We all have darkness within us. So without Jesus, there may be existence, but not life. You see, we see Jesus when we walk with him. We see him in the pages of the New Testament, in the teachings of the church, sometimes even face to face. Having seen him, we come to him. In regard, we regard him not as some distant hero or pattern, not as a figure in a book, not as someone that just fixes our problems, but as someone who is accessible. As God in flesh, that's who Jesus was. You're telling me that I can have access to God, to the one to which my soul is longing for? Yes, you can. We believe in him. That is to say, we accept him as the final authority on God, on all humanity, and on life. You see, this process gives us life. Please hear me. When you are obedient to Jesus... You experience more life and more life and more life. But there's times, can I be honest? It's like, God, I'm not really experiencing that life right now. Like, what's going on? It's always an invitation to go deeper. Lean in with me then. Let me show you what you're not seeing. Because you have a particular mindset around this. Your eyes are blocked because of this or that. There was a trauma. There was a brokenness. There was a hardship. And you're not seeing it like I see it. So let me show you how to see it. But in order to let me show you how to see it, you have to walk with me. Be obedient to me. Why would God tell you to be obedient if he didn't have something good in store for your life? That is to say, it puts us into a new and lovely relationship with God, wherein he becomes an intimate friend, an intimate father. We are now at home with the one whom we feared or never knew. I know people that fear God, that are ter not a reverence, but like an actual fear where they feel like if they walked in, it wouldn't go well for themselves, which is a lie, by the way, by the devil. So the invitation, my friend, is to everyone to experience life. We could never even have sought him unless he had already found us. Does that make sense? I want to make this really loud and clear. You might have said, I found God. No, 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 no. He had already found you. He was already with you. You just didn't see him. He was with you in the moments. He was with you in the heartache. He was with you when it didn't make sense. Jesus was always there. You just didn't see him. So you didn't find God. God was already with you. You just had to open up your eyes, your spiritual eyes to see that he was always working in your life. That he was always doing something in your life. There remains that stubborn something which enables us to refuse the offer of God. Did you know people refuse God? This blows my mind. Like, honestly, they just refuse God. But watch this. It's very subtle. I believe in God. Man, yeah, we're all brothers here. Praise Jesus. I worship. God's good. It's belief. But when it comes to obedience, they're not willing to follow Jesus. And I don't like the language, like, for this context, I'll use it. There are sometimes followers of Jesus, and then there are disciples of Jesus. If we're being honest, followers of Jesus is all over the New Testament. But in this context, there are some that just actually follow Jesus, 
they don't actually obey or call him Lord or Rabbi. Let me prove it to you. The scripture says in verse 43, stop grumbling amongst yourself, Jesus said. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws them and I will raise them up in the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. So I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Here it is. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my, watch this. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is where it starts getting weird. I mean, we're talking thousands of people following Jesus at this moment. Okay, can you picture it? He just got done feeding the 5, 10, 15 plus people. Before that, he just got done healing the man for 38 years that couldn't walk and was carrying around his mat saying, I'm healed now. Jesus got done performing miracles. He gets to the other side, and we didn't even read this. He walks on the water to get to the other side because he had to spend time with the Father. And they're like, how did you get here, Jesus? We, only, we didn't see you on the boat, but you're here because he walked on the water, and they thought he was a ghost. Side note, just, just read the scripture. It's, it's right before. The point is, Jesus knows he has a lot of, quote, followers. They're seekers. They're like, oh, man, this Jesus, he's like, he's got some weird, like, craziness going on. When I'm around him, demons are, like, running off cliffs and pigs. And, like, people are getting healed. Like, there's something about, could he be? The prophet, the Messiah, but then they're hearing another voice from the Pharisees and the Sadducees saying, we're going to kill this man because he's claiming to be Christ. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? What a crazy man. Jesus said to them, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. <laughs> Weird, right? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Could you imagine hearing this teaching? I don't have time to go into the context, but in this day and age, the other gods, lowercase g, add an S to it, they did this all the time. When they would sacrifice people or things or animals, the priest or the one sacrificing would take the meat and eat it, and they would drink the blood. So when Jesus said this, it wasn't a peculiar thing. They knew in the context that this happened, but it still was very weird, right? The reason Jesus says this is because look at verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? The Spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. For this time many, here it is, from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You know what I love about Jesus? He could care less about the crowds. He was not drawn by the crowds. He was drawn by people that would say, I'm willing to give up everything for you. I'm willing to be obedient to you. I don't want to just say with my words, I believe you. I want to pick up my cross and follow you. So what Jesus was trying to do in this moment is he was trying to separate those who followed him and those who actually called him a rabbi. So he makes, theologians would call a hyperbole, like extreme measure statement. If you want to follow me, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You'll be my true disciple. Like, what do you do with that? And then it says this. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the one and only, the holy one of God. Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the 12, was later to betray him. I just want to end with this. I know there was a lot of scripture, but the point, I hope you can see it very loud and clear. There is dark and there is light. There is goodness and there is evil. You get to choose. There is Jesus or there is this world. There is the customs of discipleship and obedience of his kingdom or there is whatever you want to do, whatever makes you feel good. And unfortunately, many will claim, I believe you, God, but has no sense of obedience. And that, as a pastor, is terrifying. It's terrifying to me. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me leaned in with God. So whenever I have moments that feel like I'm off the track, like I'm just a little uneasy, I feel the anxiousness or the worry or the stress. If I didn't have God, what would I do? Have you thought of that? If you didn't have God and all hell broke loose over your family, what would you do? Well, we know what people would do. They turn to the bondage. They become slaves to lust and slaves to themselves. And unfortunately, they just merely exist because they chose to think they were better than God. And I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I don't want to raise my family in that environment. You know, there's a passage of scripture that says, as for me and my family in Joshua, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says this. He says, I want you to really take this serious. If I could just shift for a moment. Are we not living in days of darkness? Do you not see it? Like real darkness. I don't mean to terrify you, but I just have to be honest with the word of God. 
I have no idea what's going to happen to America. In fact, the scripture and the prophetic language doesn't talk about America because it only knew the Eastern world at the time. However, we are very fortunate. We think, woe is me when I have to walk really far to get to church. Ah, pastor went a little too long today. I'm not really, kind of hungry. <laughs> but what about those that live in Israel today? And Hamas knocks on your door. Do you believe in Yahweh? Then off with your head. Let's, let's put your children in front of you. Father, you're first. I met a man who's a pastor in North Carolina, and he told me he had a radical encounter with Jesus. He was a Muslim man. He came to America when he was 20-something, and a demon came to visit him. He wrote a book called Ex-Muslim. A demon came to visit him, and he was like, hey, man, I don't know if you believe in demons. And I'm like, hey, bro, like, I've, yeah, I've experienced it. That stuff's real. I get it. He said, a demon walked in my room and said, I'm going to kill you. And he said, my brother had given his life to Jesus. And he tried to kill his brother. Because if you convert as a Muslim, off with your head, honestly, you're dead. And so he told me he lived in a particular area in the Middle East. And the custom was if you, it's a nation. You become a part of a nation. So if you believe in Allah, right? If you're a Muslim and believe in Allah and you convert to another religion, the father gets to stone you in certain areas. Still today. Do you know that? That's real persecution. You know how they stone you? They put a blanket over your head and the father gets to do it. Or the father banishes them out of the country. And this man says Jesus came into his room and said, hey, I will give you eternal life. I am God. And he said, whatever, Jesus, just get this demon out of it. I'll just, whatever, yeah, let's do it. And he gave his life to Jesus. But my point with all of that is, I don't know what will happen here in America. I really don't. But I do know that Jesus is coming back. I don't know the day or the hour. In fact, can I be honest with you? Nobody does. Sorry if you heard it wrong on the news or in other churches. No one knows the day or the hour. There are signs that are but growing pains. The Bible says there are birth pains, and they get heavier and heavier. All I know, theologically, is that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's not coming back as the guy with the sheep on his shoulder. He's coming back as a king to rule and reign, and to come against every dark, evil perversion that comes against little children, that cuts people's heads off. He does not play around when he comes back. He is coming back as a judge, and like I said, on his thigh will be read, King of kings and Lord of lords. So you get to choose whom you serve today. Do you want to choose light and life and the father of lights? Or do you want to cho choose darkness and evil and perversion? Do you want to just merely exist? Or do you want to find life? I'm tired of playing it safe. We're so comfortable here in America. I don't know what will happen. But let me ask you this question. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Because if he is, what if Hamas comes to knock at your door? I don't even want to think about it. 
but my allegiance is not to a flag, it's not to a president, it's not to a country, it's to a king. But you have to wrestle that out with fear and trembling. Because by the way, your brothers and sisters are doing it right now. Do you believe in Jesus? All right, line up. Your time is up. The Bible says there will be so many martyred. Read your, your Bible in the book of Revelation. There will be so many martyred that their blood will cry out to God. And his rage of injustice will come down and make things straight. He is a king. And you, my friend, have to choose. Are you with him or not? Will you serve him? Or will you just kind of, yeah, I believe. But then I'm going to go party. I'm going to go live it up, man. I'm going to live the good life. I'm going to experience life, and I'm going to sleep with different women because, you know, I'm just kind of testing it out, and I don't really want to get married. I'll just live just with them for a little bit because I'm not very comfortable with commitment. And I don't really care about the marriage vow, so I'll just do whatever I want, and then, you know, it's okay. It'll, be, it'll all work out. Or I'll just drink my way, and, and eventually I'll just stop. Eventually I'll just give it up. It's just an addiction, man. It's just like a family curse. I'll get over it one day. No. You are set free. The chains must go. It is up to you to choose today who you will serve. Do you want to live life to the full or do you want to just exist? It is your choice, my friend. But can I just urge you as a pastor, as a commander, as a chief, stop playing it safe. Because I don't know the day or the hour and I don't want to be caught doing something that when my king comes back, I'm not ready. I'm just playing around and messing around with my own self. I'm just joking around and living it up. And I'm not taking this serious. And I tell Kel all the time, I pray this to God. I say, Lord, I need you to know this. For me and my house, we're going to serve you. For me and my house, we'll serve you all the days of our life. We might seem crazy. We might seem like that, those weird Christians. We don't let, you know, Lenya dress as a witch or that kind of stuff. But God... I will serve you all the days of my life. Whatever you have called me to do, I will do. Whatever you want me to stop doing, I will do. Because you are Lord. You're not just my Savior. Thank you for saving me. But you're my Lord and you're my King. And so whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Because I know when I do it, oh, I start to experience life for the first time. So right now, if you would just close your eyes with me and lean into the moment. Where are you with belief? Do you just believe or are you obedient? Are you tired of living the old you, having the old outfit on, reliving the old memories? Living, quote, the good life that is not good, it's a nightmare. And are you ready to step in with faith and with hope and with love and lean in with love? This is for the person who maybe you have accepted Jesus and crossed the line of faith, but maybe you're like, I'm ready to obey now. I'm done playing games with God. If that's you, 
I would just ask that you would boldly just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Amen. And if there's anyone in the room and you have never accepted Jesus into your life, I'm not saying you did it last week or the week before or a month ago when I gave the opportunity, but you have never said, Jesus, I will give you my life. Jesus, you will be the master of my life. If that's you this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see it. I'm tired of playing it safe. I want to give you every part of who I am. I'm ready to be all in with you, God. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus, I just come before you right now. And I ask, God, that you would do a deep work in your people, in your family. I ask, Lord, that you would impress upon them all of the things you've called them to. And that the calling is not for them, but the calling is for you to be glorified. I ask God that we would lay down our masks, that we would lay down our costumes, that we would lay down the fakeness that may be prevailing in our life, that we would learn to be unapologetically us and step into the light and out of the darkness. I pray, oh God, right now for anyone that is in bondage, Anyone that is in bondage. Yeah. I feel like um, there's someone in the room right now, and I'm not going to call you out, but you, uh, you, you contemplate maybe not the expression of, like, death or suicide, or, or not suicide, but death. It's something that plays in your head often. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to stand or, or raise your hand, but if that's you, I do want to talk to you. But I need you to know something. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That there is no demon in hell that can hold you captive. That with God, there is freedom. There is life, there is wonder, there is more, there is goodness that you are loved by a father. And we call that the spirit of death. Moments in your life where you've thought, I just, there's no point in me even being here. If that has occurred in your mind and replays every so often, that is the spirit of death. And so right now, I just want to come against that in the name of Jesus. So if you believe in God right now, would you just pray against that spirit right now? Jesus, we come against the spirit of death over any person in this room, over any person that would listen to the the words of your life. God, we come against suicide in the name of Jesus. We come against contemplation that we are not good enough, that we are rejected, that we have nothing else to give. We speak against the lie of the devil himself and we speak life into that person. Wonder, joy and goodness and laughter right now in the name of Jesus. We come against the spirit of death.
I know it's 1240 church, but I feel like God wants to do something. So if you need to go, that's fine. You don't even need to stand. Would you just put your hands in front of you? Just right in front of you. I'm sorry, I'm a mystic and I believe that everything is spiritual. But I believe that God wants to do something right now. Right now in this moment. Close your eyes. Don't look at anything. Don't be distracted. Just fixate your eyes upon the cross right now. The cross. What do you see when you see the cross? What comes to mind? He was crucified for you. His flesh was broken for you. They put a a crown of thorns on his head for you. He took all of the weight of the world for your transgressions and for your sickness and for your disease and for the generational bondage. He laid it on himself on the cross for you. Just behold the cross. There's nothing greater than the cross. But if you see Jesus on the cross, take him off. He's not on the cross anymore. That's the wrong picture. Where is Jesus now? Find him. Find him in your heart, in your memory. Just behold the cross that he has forgiven you. That his blood that was shed for you would give you life again. Would resurrect you again.